Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jason Allen, president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, I want to welcome Dr. Jared Bumpers back in the studio as our co-host, and today we're going to discuss one of my books, Succeeding at Seminary. Dr. Bumper serves here at Midwestern Seminary as Assistant Professor of Preaching and Evangelism and is directing the FTC cohorts here on campus. And today we'll be talking specifically about the pastor in theological education. And we talked about this some here recently in recent months. We're going to do it a second time around and really dial in on this topic in a more focused way. Jared, welcome to joining me in Preaching and Preachers. That's right. Thank you for for having me. And last time we talked about this, we really focused on current pastors or aspiring pastors. And so we thought that it'd be a good good talking point to move towards current seminary students or or recent graduates and how they think about theological education while they're in it or is is they're completing their education, what what next steps might be helpful for them. And so I'll kick us off with a question and, and just ask what advice you would give to listeners who are currently students in seminary. How can they make the most of their seminary years? Yeah, well, thank you for the question. And again, to our listeners, I'm just so honored you join us regularly for the podcast and that you would uh, engage us in this way. I know there are a lot of opportunities out there, a lot of good podcasts, and the fact that you listen to this one regularly, again, means a great deal to me. And our goal in this podcast and every podcast is just to speak in ways that are most helpful to you. And so this topic, though, is one that is very dear to me and one that I feel a profound sense of urgency over because I'm giving my life to training a new generation of pastors and ministers and missionaries and biblical counselors and worship leaders and all the rest. And uh, we want to do that in a way that is as faithful as possible here. And so this conversation is towards that end. I think the first thing that you have to realize, and you touched on this and now you framed the question, is that you ought to seek to get the most out of seminary. Mm. You ought to seek to optimize the experience. You ought to seek to uh, to cherish that opportunity. And you think about it, it really is just that. It's an opportunity, but it is a seasonal opportunity. Now, you get the whole category of traditional versus non-traditional students, and that can mean a lot of different things. But typically, when we refer to traditional students, we're thinking of those who are coming to seminary shortly after college, maybe just right out of college or, or maybe a year or two out, but before the, the fullness of life and responsibilities have happened, you know, heavy ministry responsibilities, large family, aging children, all that goes with it. So to those who are the more traditional seminary student, whether it be online or residential, I would say to get the most out of first thing you have to realize is it is for a season, a season of life, a season of life, a window of time, often three years, give or take. And when you move through that and when you're done with that, what you'll find is life and ministry really tends to intensify. It tends to speed up. Children are increasing in number. Uh, they're growing in age and the responsibilities that go with them. Ministry opportunities are, are increasing in number and, and often are growing in complexity as ministries grow and all the rest. And so it is a season of life usually. And understand this is a season of life not just to be endured, and there are aspects of it, no doubt, that require an endurance mentality, especially if you're in more challenging subjects that are subjects that you would find more challenging, Hebrew, Greek, whatever. But really, it's, an, it's a season to be embraced and to be enjoyed and to get the most out of. Now, if you're that non-traditional student, you're 42, called a ministry middle of life, 52, whatever, you understand the dynamics I'm talking about here as far as life changing and, and responsibilities intensifying and ministry opportunities and responsibilities increasing. You get that more so than the younger students. But I would say, first of all, conceptually, is you have to understand it's a season and you want to get the most out of as you can, because once you move through that season, yes, you can always go back and pull a book off the shelf and and pull lectures out of your files. 
But it's just not the same because you transition usually into other ministry opportunities and responsibilities, and you're kind of dipping back into what you learned. You're not immersing yourself in learning day to day. Yeah, that's great. I think when when students are in seminary, there you have two types of students, those who are, are super gung-ho. They love the seminary community, and that's a great thing. We want students to move to Kansas City and take classes and enjoy the experience, but you also want them to go out and serve, and so sometimes they come and they need some encouragement to go and do it. Then you have other students who, who come, and they just want to get through because they love the local church, they love preaching, and they want to get to full-time ministry, and so I think both of those groups of students need encouragement. The ones who are here and they're loving it, man, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're studying, but we don't want you to stay here. We want to launch you out to serve local churches. We exist to train men and women for the church. And then the other group of students, we, we want to say, hey, this is a season and we're glad that God has called you to ministry, but make the most of it. Press in, learn, enjoy the learning experience when you have the space to think about these things. Because once you're in a, a pastoral context, there are sermons to write, counseling appointments to keep, meetings to have, staff to, to support and lead. And so those things can, can start taking up time. And so enjoy this season while they're in it. Right. And uh, and again, I want to unpack this a touch more here before I even get to, to what I want to further unpack. Just another word of observation. And that is this. You talked about having the space to think clearly. And I want to encourage our listeners to indeed think clearly about, especially about key topics to one's life and ministry. So, so for instance, what you believe, let's say, about issues of divorce and remarriage, hmm. what you believe about preaching the word, what you believe about church membership, what all should be required and entailed, what you believe about about church government, et cetera. Those big categories, you really need to think through on the front end. I mean, you don't want to be sorting out what you believe about divorce and remarriage like when it's your deacon who's getting a divorce. That's exactly right, yeah. You need to have much of that hammered out on the front end so you're not, you're not moved or tempted to be moved by, by interpersonal dynamics. Now, certain aspects of ministry that, that you really do sort of fully flush out when you're in the throes of it. You know, some of the counseling situations and things like that that may come up that you just can't fully know exactly how you're going to handle that until you're in the middle of it. And that's where you're looking back on that seminary foundation that has been laid that may not give you the specific answer to that specific and, and often peculiar question, but it gave you foundation from which you can answer. Now, the other thing I want to speak to here about unpacking your first question a touch more fully, Jared, it is the fact that students choose seminaries for a reason, Okay. And usually those are really good reasons. They want to go to the seminary because what the institution believes and teaches. That's an urgent reason. They won't go to the institution because of the mission, why it exists. Okay, so that's us, our confessional statements, you know, the Baptist Faith and Message 2000, the Danvers Statement, the Nashville Statement, the Chicago Statement, our mission for the church. Building out from those, often students are choosing seminaries based upon like, like the actual faculty, not just what they believe, but, but exactly like what they have accomplished. What are they writing? What is their ministry track record? And so you have beliefs, you have mission, uh, you have faculty. Then you have other things like a campus's culture, an institution's culture, what they prioritize, what they value. Interpersonal dynamics, like how accessible might that faculty be? Are there mentorship opportunities? Are there, are there relationships with churches in the area that, that a student can get experience from while they're in seminary. So a whole lot goes into that. So I want to say to our listeners is those different reasons that moved you to be a student at Midwestern or wherever you are, I would remain in contact with those reasons in your mind and heart throughout seminary. So in other words, if that if those convictions was really the tipping point, well then invest yourself in those convictions more deeply. If that mission animated you here for the church, well then, then make sure that as you are pursuing your ministry, you're doing so for the church, ministry preparation. If it's the faculty here, which is so stellar, 
then don't just like settle for a distant knowledge of them, but get to know them. And here at Midwestern Seminary, we say, look, we're one of the largest seminaries in the world, but on the ground, we're like a pretty small family. Everyone knows one another. Faculty are approachable. Administrators are approachable. And so, so like, avail yourself of those relationships. Then you get into kind of the value added of seminary, things like chapel and workshops and lectureships, conferences. So you think about Midwestern Seminary, you have the Spurgeon lectures. You, got, you have lectures on ethics. You have lectures on evangelism and missions. You, you have for the church conference. I mean, it just, the list goes on and on. And those are things that, that will be available to you, but often, especially during this season while you're living on campus or a few miles away. And so you want to really, you want to really exhaust all those different little value-added opportunities that you have during this season of life. Yeah, it's such a good word for students who, who are in the throes of it. You have a lot, a lot of them have things going on. They're working a job, taking a full load. Some of them have families. And so there's a lot going on, but they do need to avail themselves of all those opportunities and make the most of, of the three, four years, however long they're here, is they prepare for a lifetime of ministry. Well, let me, to that, mentioning all the things that students are often doing, I think a, a practical question that, that you could help us think through is, would you encourage current seminary students to pursue pastoral work while they're studying? What are your thoughts on a student pursuing pastoral ministry while taking courses? I would say definitely pursue ministry while taking courses. Whether or not to pursue pastoral ministry is a little bit more contextual as to that person's calling, experience level, opportunities before them, and so forth. But really, every student can and should have a ministry role. That could be a formal role, student pastor, again, pastor, assistant pastor, associate pastor, whatever, elder, whatever. Or it could be a less formal role. Sunday school teacher, outreach leader, men's discipleship coordinator. And so the main thing I want to say is you want throughout seminary to be deepening your love for the local church and deepening your investment in the local church. That is good for you. It's good for your heart. It's that good for that congregation. And hear me here, it's also good for your future. I mean, if I'm looking to hire someone in a local church setting, and let's say the past five years they've been a seminary student, three years they've been a seminary student, whatever, I want to see a track record of churchmanship. And I would understand if they've been a full-time PhD student or a full-time MDF student, that may mean they have not simultaneously been a full-time minister in local church. But they better have been doing more than like playing video games on Sunday. <laughs> there better yeah. be a track record of actual involvement in local church. So if you call that pastor of reference, he says, oh, yeah, Bob was very faithful here, and he volunteered with the children, and he taught some men's discipleship groups, and he preached for me once every two months, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so I can get excited about that. I can't get excited about hiring a hypothetical minister or an ostensible minister, especially if while you have been in seminary preparing, there hasn't been any sort of real local church engagement. I would also say, again, practically speaking for that student, it is helpful not even from a resume building standpoint, but that process will be a refining process for you as to what you desire to do in ministry, what God is calling you to do in ministry. So sometimes a student thinks, man, I, I want to be a church planner, I want to be a missionary, student minister, whatever it is. But it's not until they're actually in the warp and woof of local congregational life, actually engaging in some of the ministry responsibilities associated with those whatever roles, that you understand, actually, my calling is here, not there. I'll tell you, I smile when I say this. I was once a youth pastor for summer, and I was in college. It was a little part-time summer internship. And I just knew after summer, like, I don't think I'm called to be a student minister. And it wasn't like a bad summer. It was a good summer. But just that three or four months made me think, man, I'm really eager to pastor as soon as I can. I don't think I'm going to do like the, what's often done maybe five or six or eight years as a student pastor and then kind of one day move into the senior pastor role. I just really believe God was calling me to pastor. And even it may, be, it may be a tiny church, don't know the size of it, but I think that was my next ministry step God was calling me to. 
So often one won't know that until they're actually in the local church serving, ministering, and those desires and those abilities will clarify themselves. I love the 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 push for local church involvement, whether at a formal or an informal level. And I, I couldn't agree more that, that those who feel called to ministry often are able to clarify and crystallize their ministry call as they actually engage in in ministry. I feel like I would be negligent if I didn't mention the, the FTC cohorts at this point and the Timothy track in particular, because we give students an opportunity to, to serve in an internship capacity. And so incoming MDiv students have an opportunity to come in to partner with the local church in the Kansas City area to get some experience. And often through that, they'll get a feel for, man, do I, do I want to be a part of a church plant? Do I feel like God has called me to be a missionary? Am I a pastor, a student pastor? They get some exposure to all of those different ministry opportunities. They build relationships with one another. And so they're connected to a local church, studying here at seminary, serving. And I think it's a really good opportunity. So if you're listening and you're a prospective student, I'd encourage you to, to consider the Timothy track and to, to apply. Yeah, I, and I affirm that emphatically. The best way to be for the church is to be in the church. That's true institutionally. That's true for our listeners personally. Praise the Lord. What are some some maybe common mistakes that seminary students make? So you think about students who come, they're studying, and maybe they're, they're struggling in one area or another. What are some tendencies that you see among them that kind of take take a misstep? Yeah, I think the biggest mistake that I would see would be a step of isolation, where they, they find themselves either through just life responsibilities and circumstances, and perhaps even some personality, you know, predilections, just to be a step removed. And um, and again, maybe they want to live in the library or, or go to work or whatever they have to do that's good, but to take a step removed. And and I when I see that, that can lead to a lot of places that aren't good. It can lead to a person feeling alone and, and thus feeling like, man, I'm, I'm in this by myself. It can lead to a person, again, not benefiting from the relationships from a faculty standpoint, administrator standpoint, fellow student standpoint. And that really is a big part of seminary. I mean, I was on the phone call, good grief, just before this podcast a few minutes ago, received a phone call from an old ministry friend, and uh, he had a question about ministry and an opportunity before him, wanted to call and talk. And he and I were talking about that ministry opportunity. And in the course of that conversation, we got talking in a very warm way about other friends from seminary, you know, from 20 plus years ago. And it's interesting how that, how that works. These often tend to be friends for life and friends for life that not it's like you got to have, but that you want to have. And so I would say isolation is a, uh, is, is a common misstep. I would say additionally, though, kind of busyness. And again, most students are busy. You're working some, you're probably parenting some, you have a lot going on, but I would be like selectively busy. Fill your time with things that are most formative for you now, thus most, most preparatory for your future. The last thing I would say is, um, and I'm going to come back, it's kind of a sub-point of the isolation one, but it especially goes back to the, to the faculty piece. Again, I know students occasionally that it's like they'll, they'll say, you know, I hear them say something like, I'm looking for a church, and I kind of want to, okay, want to help you. Like, do your professors know you're looking to pastor? Does Jordan Wilbanks on campus or Jared Bumpers on campus, people on campus know you're looking to pastor? And if you spent three years kind of hanging out, you know, on the, on the second floor of the library all by yourself and have never built a relationship with, with, with professors or administrators or other students, well, that's going to hinder your ability to get placed because no one's going to know you are placeable, right? Mm. Yep. But if you're actually building relationships on campus and people know not only your abilities academically, but who you are spiritually, who you are personally, your gifts, they have an affection for you, a desire to see you flourish in ministry, and they are aware of your ministry desires, that makes you all the more placeable as we can vouch for you in our personal way. Yeah, maybe not everybody on campus, but there are a lot of people on campus who are regularly, I regularly get phone calls from from pastor friends and fellow graduates who are looking for someone, hey, I'm looking for a student pastor or worship pastor. 
our pastor just resigned and they're looking for a, for a lead pastor. And so it's good to, to get involved, to know people, to be known. And then when those doors open up, there's somebody to, to make the connection and help you step through those doors. That's right. That's right. Well, we talked, I think, a little bit about this on the last episode, but COVID kind of threw a wrench in theological education. I think it accelerated the move towards online education. And of course, we, we understand that there are times where that's necessary. We, we would both encourage students, if possible, given their life stage and, and situation, to attend residentially. But, but what are some ways, as you think about not just education, but ministry, maybe that COVID has shifted the, the ministry landscape for, for those who are aspiring pastors or current students? Yeah, I think as far as at the, at the institutional level, the seminary level, of course, that has led to um, what I would just call, uh, you know, a, an increase in distance learning in general and uh, inflationary standpoint, economic uncertainty, those sorts of things, I think has made everyone a touch more cautious. If you got a good job, reluctant to leave it. If you're in a comfortable place that's working out well with you practically, logistically in life, whether it's finances, housing, whatever, kind of making sure it's the right step to, to leave it. And I want to say to our listeners, man, if God's calling you to seminary, uh, man, come. If he's calling you here, please come. It's incredible how God will provide and make a way and open doors. And I've seen it time and time again, year after year, even through COVID. I'd also say, as far as churches go, I would say local church level, you know, COVID has made congregations and and those looking to, to call ministers, I think, a touch more selective. People feel like ministry matters. And of course, many of our churches, we've seen data points of, of so many churches are plateaued or declining. And in many places, giving is a bit challenged with inflation. But I think it's made everyone a, a bit more selective, not casually hiring people, but strategically creating ministry positions and then very strategically filling those. And so I, I think on the one hand, you know, COVID, inflation, economic uncertainty has made advanced degrees, whether theological education or whatever, you know, a bit more work to attain, to achieve as far as all that goes into it. At the same time, it's made many churches, many ministries a bit more selective. So it's made that, that ministry preparation and even that, that degree, I think, all the more, uh, not just desired, but really all the, more, all the more needed, all the more essential. And so the step is perhaps a bit more challenging to take, but I think it's uh, all the more important to take in this season. Even thinking about the next generation of leaders coming in, there's this kind of generational shift. Some, some of the, the older pastors are nearing retirement age, and they're going to pass the baton. And so what would you say to, to aspiring pastors or, or current seminary students or recent graduates as they think about stepping into some of these churches where a pastor is transitioning out, passing on the baton? What, word would you, what words of advice or encouragement would you give to young pastors stepping into leadership positions in the local church? I would say, first and foremost, it's worth it. To follow God's call, to obey His call is worth it. Whether you have a global pandemic, whether you have an economic recession, whether you just have a daunting task of following a beloved pastor who's been there 32 years and done a faithful job, all of those things and more taken together collectively in the aggregate, it's still worth it to follow God's call. And there is no greater joy than serving the people of God. There is no, no greater calling than the call to local church ministry. And so to our listeners, I want to say, man, maybe even this conversation today, there, there's a touch of trepidation there, a sense of calling, but a touch of fear, a sense of faith of wanting to follow God's call, but, but, but a little hesitancy because of uncertainty. And I want to say that is always there, at least to some degree. Someone like me speaking to a microphone can't remove all of that from you, nor should I try. But I do want to say that calling is worth it, and thus the calling to prepare for God's calling is worth it as well. 
Yeah, there's a, a weight to ministry, but also a joy to ministry. And if God has called you, yes, it's a heavy responsibility, but also it's a, a joyful responsibility yeah, to get step after in. It. Enjoy yeah. it. Step into it. Get after it. The church is a great place to serve. And uh, I think most people are blown away by how joy-filled ministry actually is, how exhilarating it actually is. And I do worry here's a, as a, it's a footnote in the conversation, Jared, that we, we have lived in kind of this moment, it seems like, in COVID, post-COVID. We've heard a lot about how hard ministry is and how difficult COVID was and how divisive politics in America is and how it shows up in the church. And we've heard a lot of kind of critiques and, and some of it you know, justified, no doubt. But I want to just kind of bust through that noise and say, even with all that, ministry is worth it. Preparation is worth it. Serving the church is worth it. The gospel is worth it. The Great Commission is worth it. Your calling, listeners, is worth it. Amen. What more is there to say than that? It is It is worth it. Well, listen, Jared, thank you for joining me in the studio today. It's been a fun conversation. And uh, to our listeners, again, thank you for listening. Delighted to have these conversations with you. And I pray God will use it to strengthen you and your ministry and all the Lord has entrusted to you. Thank you for being with us today and for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, go to my website, jasonkallen.com. That's jasonkallen.com.